Hey everyone, this is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we're talking about your 11 and 15 Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I talk about the impact Blake Griffin's ailing knee will have on this team. We discuss our comfort level with Derrick Rose continuing to close games, and then we do some quick trade discussions, and I tell you which Pistons expiring contract has there already been rumored interest in. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing? Hey, Les, I'm doing good. Uh, Weird week of Pistons basketball, right? Two and one, unexpectedly. But, oh, almost doesn't feel like a win in some ways with what Blake is going through physically, which we'll talk about. But uh, still, two and one. Didn't see that coming, and I'm pretty happy about it. How are you doing? I'm doing iffy. I don't know if you can hear, but uh, my voice has been going in and out a little bit today. A little bit of a uh, little bit of white elephant Christmas parties back to back. <laughs> a little bit of uh, just the temperature getting colder and, and the house getting hotter, and you know how that goes. I know how it goes. Yeah, but uh, yeah, let's. I was uh, so I because I went to the yellow white elephant party yesterday. I I DVR'd the game and I so I watched it this morning. And so the first thing I see when I'm finished fast forwarding through all the commercials and stuff is that Don Maker is in the starting lineup and I almost like <laughs> turned the game off right there. It's like, there's no point in me watching this game, but then they won it. They, they pulled it out. Uh, they, they went two and one on the early West coast trip. Uh, but like, like you said, uh, it came at a pretty heavy cost. Uh, Blake Griffin didn't play the entire second half with, uh, with knee soreness. That's vague. Uh, and we haven't gotten an update today on his status so he could you know he could play tomorrow for all we know and he could be out for like the next two weeks for all we know ben you've, you've been way more on top of this than i have for the most part about uh, your concern with with blake's health what do you think uh, this knee soreness means for the pistons in the short term and in the long term yeah i mean first question i gotta ask is who in the world evaluated him yesterday and let him play because uh, it, it was literally painfully obvious from the jump uh, that he wasn't healthy. Obviously, he struggled all week, right? I mean, he, he didn't play well. But I think uh, yesterday it became clear he's got no lift, he's got no elevation, and he's basically just sort of reduced to some of that bully ball that, you know, when he's got lift and elevation works for him. But right now, uh, it's just it's just not looking good. And I have to say, uh, to me, soreness undersells it. To me, it looks like there's something that's actually wrong because if you're sore, you can still move. And Blake Griffin was literally barely moving. So I'm really concerned short term. I'm, I'm pretty concerned long term as well. You know, I think the Pistons have to ask what they think about this fundamental question. This is what it comes down to. How important is this season? 
right? Um, is this season and roster worth taking a chance on, right? Do you risk Blake's long-term health and long-term productivity um, to try to make something of this season, which has been a pretty big disappointment more than a quarter of the way through? Um, as of yesterday, I would say, you know, he's at least some extended period of time away from even being able to contribute if the answer to that question is yes. You know, I would say this week he really, really struggled and wasn't even a net positive, um, particularly against Houston. He was completely ineffective, and it's it's the result of him not being healthy. Um, so I guess if this season is worth salvaging in some way, um, you know, if, if being a losing team and making the playoffs is a goal worthy of pursuit, then maybe you get him back to 80% and you bring him back, right? No matter how far the way that is, if that's a couple games or a couple weeks. Um, I take a different view of that. I think this season is absolutely not worth that. We've seen this season that, um, you know, without Blake Griffin, this, this team's, um, this team's direction is, is pretty questionable, right? They're, they're with like without a rudder, without Blake, he directs the defense as you've called out in recent weeks. He's obviously vital to the offense. He, he really does help everyone in addition to creating himself. So to me, I, I don't care enough about being a losing team that squeaks into the eighth seed. Like that, that's not a goal worthy of risking Blake Griffin's knee because uh, look, we've seen what 60 or 70% of Blake Griffin is, and it's just not effective. So to me, you let him rest until he's healthy. If that's weeks, if that's a month or longer, I think you just got to do it. He's just not, he, he's just not effective. And, and the team, the team ceiling is just too low with him at 70% or whatever he is right now. So I say, let him rest, let him get that knee right. It hasn't been right for months. Uh, let the man get healthy and, and then come back and take a crack at it when he is. Yeah. I, that is an excellent question that you posed. Is this season worth salvaging in some way? Um, you know, that is an open question, right? Like in, in the short term, what that, what this means for the Pistons is that, you're going to be relying on some mixture of uh, Don Maker and Christian Wood to give you solid rotation minutes and like hope that that keeps your season afloat. Um, you know, maybe we see some uh, Seku Dumboya. I saw that that raised in the uh, in the comments of the recap thread. That would be interesting. Maybe that's something uh, that's not necessarily like saving this individual season but you're continuing to build on something that well, will be uh, kind of beyond what this season is. But um, yeah, like, is this season worth salvaging? I, I think the season is worth salvaging, but because I think it's worth salvaging, I think you should rest Blake. Um, you, you, we've clearly seen that like, even at like 60% or whatever he's operating at right now, um, he's not effective. And so you need to, you need to get him, to 80% or whatever to, to get him in, in place to have a, have an effective season. Um, you know, you have to rest him as long as it takes for him to get there. Um, maybe that means, uh, I know he was, when he first got back initially, he was like really thrown off by the, the minutes limit that Dwayne Casey imposed upon him. Like that just might be a fact of life for whenever he comes back. Um, I know that, uh, he and I know that he has been like the quarterback of the defense, like I've talked about and how important that is. But I do think some of those principles are, uh, you know, instilled in the team now. And so they'll be able to survive without Blake. Um, you, you recall from the first part of the Houston game, they Houston opened the game with like 
four straight lobs to Clint Capella and Dwayne Casey called timeout. I guess uh, he said in the post game, he talked to Thon about uh, like the coverages that they were operating with and like how, how they were uh, playing defense. And you, you really saw that that cut down on Harden's playmaking. And so I, you know, I wonder that if, uh, you know, Dwayne Casey continues to be an effective coach and be an effective, like uh, steward of talent and how that will, you know, hopefully translate into some number of wins, like for a Pistons team that like still looks to be trying to fight the good fight and, and make the playoffs. So I, I do, I do think it's too, it's still too early to kind of say the season isn't worth salvaging. Um, and especially since, the, you know, they're five and two in the month of December, even with the last game Blake looked effective being the uh, the Indiana game like three whole games ago. And so, yeah, I think that uh, that kind of comes down to where uh, that that about rounds out where, where I'm at on the, on that question. Um, rest Blake, get him healthy. Um, the Pistons hopefully can stay afloat uh, without him uh, in, in in large part. They stayed afloat without him last night through the uh, play of Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose has had two big fourth quarters this week. He had a, the game-winning drive and bucket against New Orleans. Um, he had some uh, closing mid-range jumpers and uh, to seal the win against Houston. Um, he's still averaging on, you know under 24 minutes a game, so he's still being very effective in his limited minutes, and the Pistons have been good about keeping him uh, under like the 26-minute uh, mark. Uh, have we become more comfortable with, with Derrick Rose closing games, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I, I have. It's it's a little bit begrudgingly, I got to be honest. I wish Blake Griffin were healthy and he could carry that load because I think he's just a he's a better player overall. Um, I think the challenge is going to be um, teams are going to be on to the fact that <laughs> Derrick Rose is the closer, especially if Blake Griffin is out for a little while. Um, but there's no denying what Derrick Rose did on the court this week. He literally won the game right against new Orleans and was not just the game winner, but was really solid throughout the fourth quarter and uh, was very solid against Houston in the fourth quarter as well. Really wasn't, you know, wasn't outstanding for that entire game, but he came alive in the fourth quarter. So, uh, and then I think the big thing is we're not seeing these stupid decisions that sort of plagued him um, going back a few weeks in the fourth quarter with silly turnovers and bad passes. Um, Looks like he's gotten a hold of that decision-making a little bit. Um, I'd like to see him eliminate the pull-up jumper a little more in crunch time because <laughs> yeah. that's not always going to go in. When it goes in, it's sweet, but that that's, I think, the one critique is focus on getting to the rim a little bit more if that option's available. But, yeah, I mean, he's been – there's no denying it. He's been absolutely fantastic this week. He carried the team for both of the wins in the fourth quarter and deserves the credit for it. Yeah, I I do think we – as long as he continues to not turn the ball over, we're like we can work with that. Um, even those mid-range like pull-up seventeen-footers, if they don't go, um, you know you still have you know Andre Drummond as a really good offensive uh, on the on the offensive glass. You still have um, those aren't turnovers; those aren't live ball turnovers. Hopefully, uh, those don't like necessarily all the time lead to long rebounds. They're not allowing the other team to get out in transition, which is where this team's like really struggled defensively. And so, yeah, I think uh, I'm, you know, growing more comfortable letting Derrick Rose close the game. I will say, though, that I, I wonder if uh, Rose kind of dominating the ball is is good for the rest of the team. Uh, Luke Kennard had like 18 first half points last night and finished with 22 points. Um, Derrick obviously like got him a bucket uh, 
towards the end of the game, I get him like a, a little layup. But um, I would like to see Luke, you know, get some of those crunch time reps. I would like to see what Luke has uh, as a closer. I know sometimes they they run like set plays for Luke, but Luke has been pretty effective as just like a pick and hold role ball handler. And so, um, you know, as a guy who can uh, I trust to like get three points more than Derrick Rose, I would like to see, you know, what Luke has got in those situations. All right, Ben. The uh, the other thing was we got a little preview of what a rebuilding team, a team without Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, might look like in the second half of the Houston game. Um, obviously, you know, Derrick Rose probably wouldn't be on a rebuilding team either. But uh, what do you think of the way the team looked without Blake and Dre? Did you is that something you want to see more of? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to see more of it under the circumstances, right? <laughs> Blake Griffin limping around is not something I want to see more of. Um, look, Sean in the recap said, um, you know, that this was the Pistons' biggest win of the season, and I think he's probably right. Like, I, I'm not. There are maybe a couple other wins you could point to as maybe being better wins, but I think in hindsight, um, I don't want to put too much into it because I think this was a bit of a perfect storm. This was a real trap game for Houston. Um, you know, coming off of a back-to-back, missing d- two of their top three perimeter guys, right, and Gordon and Westbrook. And let's be real, both of those guys are going to put a ton of pressure on what is the Pistons' biggest weak point, which is their perimeter defense. Um, so obviously the flip side of the coin is you don't have Blake. Essentially you don't have Blake and you don't have Drummond uh, for Detroit. So uh, maybe it's a wash. Um, so still a very good win. Um I mean, I don't want to see this team without Blake or without Drummond necessarily. I like both of those guys a lot. Um, but I think pretty much everybody who wore a Pistons uniform against Houston was able to take advantage of what to me looked like a really tired Houston defense. Um, you know, Thon and Svee weren't great, but pretty much everybody else uh, was able to cash in uh, and take advantage of it. I think it was just a tired and, and bit soft defense. Um, that said, there was a great comment from – longtime DBB or yellow eye in the comments that I actually responded to uh, in the recap. Um, when he pointed out that the Drummond Christian Wood pairing in limited minutes has been pretty effective. And if, you know, we sort of assume that Blake could be out for a handful of games here. Um, obviously this isn't, do, doesn't directly answer your question, but um, it answers half of it, right? Without Blake, I'm interested in seeing if that pairing is just a flash in the pan or if there's actually something there. I think, you know, both of those guys are so long and they can both rebound. I think they can be really disruptive. Dre, we've seen what he can do, especially defensively in the passing lanes. Um, he, he got one of those this week. I don't remember which game it was. It led to a breakaway dunk. Um, I think those two guys have the potential to be sort of disruptive. And then they both obviously have some offensive skills and they're very different offensive skills that I think complement each other there. So if we're talking about at least a, a post Blake Griffin Detroit Pistons team, that's a pairing I would take a look at and see if there's something there. It does leave you in the awkward position of like a Thon maker, Markeith Morris second unit, which I don't, I don't love, but I think Keith actually held his own uh, this week. I think he played pretty well against Houston in particular. Um, you know, so that's what I'd like to see. Long-term, though, to directly answer your question, I mean, without either of those guys, long-term, obviously the Pistons are going to have to bring something back in return, right? Um, if, you list, if you just let Andre Drummond walk, you're going to have a very hard time replacing his productivity given where they're at with the salary cap. Um, and same for Blake, except obviously it would be via trade. Um, you, you need to get something back because I think 
you know, yeah, yeah, it was a perfect storm. Pistons shot the ball well. Interestingly, they rebounded the ball well without their best rebounder, which was great to see. Um, but I'm not, I'm just not ready to say, yeah, that Houston game, that single game convinced me that there's a whole lot more to this roster without sort of your two key big men. Yeah, the the gang rebounding was something that Casey even mentioned in the in the postgame press conference. And that was something that I noticed as well. Uh, Bruce Brown, I think, had 10 rebounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is like definitely something that needs to happen if he's going to play like on the wing next to Derrick Rose and Luke Kennard to close games. And if, you know, the team is going to be without the the best rebounder in the league. Um, you saw the, just the mindset was different um, on the glass from a lot of guys. You saw you saw Luke attacking the glass. You saw Thonmaker actually like manage to keep his hands on a couple of offensive <laughs> yeah. rebounds. Like, that, that's that's good. I, w- I would hope that happens more. Um, but yeah, I, I think that without Blake and without Andre, um, it's still just mostly the the kids and that's really been interesting. You know, I've long been a fan of uh, Bruce Brown and his game. He had 16, 10, and 6 and, you know, helped limit James Harden to 39 points, which is his average. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. It was just insane. But, you know, they did a great job of playing defense without fouling. Um, in the first half, they, the, they moved the ball really well and, and made a lot of open threes. And, you know, Blake was a small part of that, but his limit – his limitations offensively kind of limited how well he could move the ball uh, as well. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how much faith the coaching staff and front office like has in these, in, in these like younger players um, without Blake. And, you know, as we're, as we've got on the next talking point, like the trade deadline is coming up and like last season, right. The, the Pistons traded away their best wing player, for a future draft pick and a guy who like didn't help them at all in uh, during that season, and you know, could we see something like that if they have faith in you know a a Bruce Brown or a Luke Kennard to to step up in in that way? Like we we shall see. It's that's part of the plan. That's really interesting. And you know, they've uh, I watched the Grand Rapids Drive game today. There are uh, a couple of uh, what did Vince Ellis called them? I think he called them seeds. Uh, in Grand Rapids right now between uh, Sekou Duboya and Lewis King and Jordan Bone. And so, you know, I'm I'm curious to see uh, how much faith just the, the front office and coaching staff has in, in the young guys without some of the more experienced veterans. Yeah, and I, real quick, before we talk about the trade deadline too much, I mean, shout out to Bruce Brown, who was probably played his best game as a Piston, I think, um, against the Rockets. I think calling out his rebounding is a, is a really good call out because he, he also rebounded the ball well against New Orleans, I believe, the other win this week. And I think um, I think Bruce is maybe starting to get it. Like if he's going to have a role on an NBA team, he has to be sort of the Swiss Army knife. Like he has to do a little bit of everything, right? So um, the knock against him that I've had this season is that as he's focused on developing his offensive game and particularly as a point guard, we've seen his defense fall off. I think against the Rockets, he defended Harden really well. Harden is just unstoppable, right? You can't stop him. But he defended him really well, and I think that's pretty much uncontestable. And then he did all sorts of stuff um, offensively and defensively beyond that. So he put he really put it all together. I'm still I'm still thinking he's a year away, right? To be playing, he's he's fourth on the team in minutes. He's averaging 26 minutes a game. I think in an ideal world, his game isn't quite ready for that yet. 
But at the same time, the Pistons roster is what it is right now. And he, he's stepping up and growing. Um, so I want to call out Bruce Brown's productivity. He had, he played a fantastic game, um, especially because I've been a little bit critical on the podcast. He, he played very, very well. Uh, and it was one of the first games where he did a little bit of everything, right? His offense didn't come at the expense of his defense, right? His, his assist didn't come at the expense of turnovers. Like he was able to pull it all together and, and really play a fantastic game. And it was really pivotal, right? It was a really key guy for, for why they won. And, and part of that, I think, was getting him out in transition and less in the half court where, you know, Bruce's main advantage is his uh, superior athleticism. Um, he had a couple of fast break dunks uh, that Derrick Rose got him. He had one really nice um, dribble drive on the wing where he just, uh, the Rockets are in like a soft shell zone and uh, he blew right past Capella and there was no help and he was able to finish at the rim. Um, I, you know, I've been much more of a fan of Bruce Brown than you are, but uh, I, yeah, we, we should absolutely call out uh, that performance. Um, so, all right. So today is, it is Sunday. Today is December 15th. It is the unofficial start of NBA trade season. Uh, guys who signed as free agents this summer can't now be traded. I believe it's at like 7 p.m. tonight. So like it literally just happened. Um, the Pistons have started winning more games. They're, they're five and two in December. Ben, should this team be uh, buying or selling at the trade deadline? Yeah, good question. Um, they've got the complications we've talked about, right? They've got these two huge contracts in Blake and Andre. Um, their next biggest one is Reggie Jackson. Two out of those three guys are hurt. Um, one of them is almost certain to opt out at the end of the season. So I, I continue to think that a deal for any of those three guys, um, it still looks unlikely to me. But uh, I'm curious to see if they can potentially trade any of these smaller pieces that are performing well. Um, Tony Snell is sort of rounding into form a little bit. He probably makes a little more than a lot of teams would necessarily want to go get. He's on a two-year deal with seconds of player option. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed to moving him if the, the right deal comes along. Uh, but to me, Derek Rose and uh, Langston Galloway, those are the two guys who to me are probably at like the, the highest value they're going to have is right now. Neither of them has have, have had any injury concerns. They're consistently producing offensively. Um, I am not at all opposed to trading either of those guys. And, you know, it seems like the market for those guys would be a playoff team that wants to boost the bench in some way, right? Obviously, Derek Rose would, would boost just about anybody's a backup point guard position in the NBA, the way he's playing right now. And if he goes to a playoff team where they can really effectively manage his minutes, that could be a really good get. I think the return probably comes in the form of future assets. And, you know, Les, I'm with you. I don't think, you know, like today the Pistons need to make that trade and, and say that the season is over because it's not. There's still some time left. Um, but I think over the next couple months, um, you know, those two guys to me look like guys who could maybe bring you a little something back you know, maybe if Blake's out for an extended period of time and, and maybe if ownership and management decides, you know, we need, we need to look forward a little more farther into the future than we've been looking so far. I'd like to hold on to our young guys. I think we've seen some nice stuff from Svee. I think obviously Bruce Brown was a guy we want to keep around, excellent value contract. And then, of course, the same thing for our G League guys that you mentioned. And then, of course, Luke Kennard. There's no sense moving him anywhere. Uh, right now either but to me you know those two guys Langston and Rose look like the two guys who could be potentially uh, sold on the buyer's market so but that said I'm not a trade machine buff Laz I know you're a little better at it than me what kind of stuff are you seeing in here and 
for the silly trade season this year. So the the main thing I saw was James Edwards of The Athletic reported uh, some interest in Langston Galloway from a contending Eastern Conference team. Um, I put two and two together and assume that that's the Philadelphia 76ers who could desperately need a, a shooter of Langston's caliber and Langston plays defense and that's what they're all about there. And so that made a lot of sense to me. Um, I immediately went to my, the trade machine and you know looked at what Philly had to offer. And uh, one name stuck out to me, Zaire Smith. Uh, Zaire Smith is a guy that they drafted, I believe, last year. Um, hasn't played a, a single minute for them last year, uh, this season. Um, had some like had an allergic reaction to peanuts or something accidentally that he didn't know about to start his NBA career, and it's just been kind of knocked uh, off the path that way. Um, and just like a really athletic, really dynamic uh, player when healthy, but uh, he's also kind of been supplanted by the the sorry the Sixers first round draft pick this year. Matisse Thibel, who's just been like just an absolute wrecking ball defensively. Uh, to me, it's like it seems duplicative to have both Smith and Thibel like in your team's long term plans. And so I think a, a swap around like some form of Langston Galloway for Zaire Smith like makes a lot of sense for both sides. Again, like that would be very similar to the deal they made last year with Reggie Bullock, where they got a guy who factors into their future plans for a guy who uh, you know will be a free agent at the end of the season and um, makes a, makes less money, so gets you farther away from the tax line. Um, you know, if you care about Tom Gorse's pockets at all. But I think little moves like that, I think, uh, have a real interest uh, around the league. I'd be I'd be interested in Zaire Smith. I will say the other thing that makes this a little bit interesting trade season is that um, I believe there are only 13 teams in the league with a winning record right now. And so what, what, what that means is that there are a lot of teams in the bottom third of the East and bottom third of the West that are like hovering slightly below 500, your Detroit Pistons, right? Your Charlotte Hornets, your Minnesota Timberwolves, your OKC Thunder, your Portland Trailblazers. Like those are what those teams decide to do as far as like buying or selling and, uh, you know, the, the emphasis they place on like what the Pistons have to offer will the, like the interplay between those two things, I think will, will make for an interesting trade season. Okay, Ben, uh, the, the Pistons have a game against the Washington wizards at home on Monday. I think like five out of the next six games are at home, which is good. Uh, but they have a, a big West coast trip at the end of this month. Um, like I said, they have the wizards on Monday home against the Raptors on Wednesday at Boston on Friday. And then a back to back, a home game against the Chicago Bulls on Saturday. How many games uh, will the Pistons win this week, Ben? I feel like two and two seems like a, a pretty solid number, even without Blake. Um, I think the Wiz are obviously a, a team the Pistons should be thinking about beating, um, and I think the Bulls—that's um, a team they can definitely beat. I don't—I don't like either of those matchups, the Raptors and uh, or the Celtics. Both of those teams to me are are pretty far ahead of where we are right now. Um, so I'm going to say two and two, uh, in spite of the fact that I personally, I don't see how Blake Griffin 
is going to be playing this week. He just didn't look like he was there. And before I hand it off to you for prediction, can we just scrap traveling to like Mexico and London and <laughs> like during the regular season? Like this is not, I, I'm all about like having some exhibition games there. Spread the gospel of basketball. I love the game. I want every country in the world to love the game. That's a great thing. But I mean, Andre Drummond and Avocados. I mean, this is just nonsense. Like, let's just chuck it. They looked so bad against Dallas. And look, Dallas is good. Doncic is just a phenomenal player. And the Pistons had no chance from the start. But you're set up for failure when you're going to another country, having allergic reactions, playing above sea level, all that stuff. Let's just chuck that idea. Let other teams do that if they want to. All right. And end off my soapbox. Les, how are the Pistons going to do this week? No, I want to I want to step on your soapbox because <laughs> It, it never made sense to me to have an Eastern Conference team play in Mexico City, right? The uh, the second game in Mexico they had was Phoenix and San Antonio. Like, both of those right. make eminently more sense right. than having the Detroit Pistons play a home yeah. game. Yeah, like, let the Spurs uh, and the Mavs go play there, right? Like, that makes total right. sense. That makes total sense. Like, I, it didn't make any sense to me. But I suspect that's one of those things where um, the league, you know, comes to the Pistons and is like, hey, we can – uh, you know, you can grow the brand, you can become more popular, you can, uh, you know, be a global team. And they're like, well, okay, sure. I would think there's got to be some money in it, right? Like, we don't know those details, but oh, I would God. think there has to be some financial incentive to do that. Oh, absolutely. Um, as far as the uh, upcoming schedule this week, um, Washington, if Andre Drummond plays, they should be good in that one. Um, Davis Bertans has been really effective for the Wizards, but I believe that, um, both Mo Wagner and Thomas Bryant are hurt right now. And so um, I don't know who they're starting at center, but uh, that should be a matchup that Andre should be able to uh, to feast against, definitely. Um, the Raptors are a tough matchup. They've already played uh, this year. The um, Pascal Siakam has dropped off a little bit from his uh, early really high highs, but they've also got Kyle Lowry back, and that team is really good. And so I would I wouldn't be surprised to see that be a loss. Um, Boston has also played really well this season. Their big man situation with Ennis Cantor and sometimes playing like Grant Williams uh, at the five and uh, Robert Williams. I think that's a really, uh, that's an intriguing matchup, but the Pistons weakness this year has been, you know, long, uh, aggressive, versatile wings. And that that's all Boston has <laughs> right. is a bunch of dudes who can score off the dribble in our six, eight. And so like that, that matchup also doesn't look quite good. And uh, Chicago, I really don't know what to make of the Bulls. Honestly, they just beat the Clippers in a, uh, in a game that was very surprising to me. I watched a decent chunk of that. Um, Zach Levine had an awesome night. Um, Bruce Brown uh, has been effective on Levine in the past. Um, but that that hasn't mattered. Um, the Pistons have already lost to the Bulls in a game where uh, Levine didn't play that, that well, and so I, you know, you you definitely hope you can take that game on the second half of a back to back, but uh, that that game looks very uh, trap e trap esque right now to me. Uh, all right, Ben, I'll let the people know where they can find you, where they can talk to you. You were uh, you were pretty vocal in the comments section on the recap. I saw that. I appreciated that. Let them know what's up. Yeah, at BR Golker on Twitter. I was I was also playing the DVR game this week for the first two games, so I wasn't wasn't doing anything live, but uh, I was I was into it. It was a good win Friday or Saturday, excuse me, yesterday. So on Twitter, hit me up in the comments of the podcast post as well. I always check in there, and it, you know, also one guy we got to mention against Boston is Kemba Walker, who oh, he's just he's he kills the Pistons. Pistons one, one, killer. Yeah, one more reason I don't like that Celtics matchup. Yeah, definitely. 
uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at last chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. Um, you can, you know, talk to me there. I'm also pretty vocal in the comments on the podcast posts and other posts. Um, I want to give a, a quick shout out to DBB user, uh, in Genowick. I hope uh, like NBA Genowick. I, I don't know exactly how you would like that pronounced, but he's been doing some awesome video recaps of the Grand Rapids Drive games. And like, those have been just like a highlight of the fan post. So like, keep it up, man. Like we really appreciate that. All right, guys, this has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and we will talk to y'all next week.